Thanks for joining Impact Boom. On this episode... From the point of view of the modern or from the West, we believe that the sun always shines from Europe or from America to the rest of the world. And this belief in itself is what is causing the divide, the polarization, the trauma. And so for me, this is really the core of the present generation and the core of whether we remain strong as a species. Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 357 of Impact Boom. My name's Indio Miles, and I'm passionate about communicating the initiatives and enterprises causing sustainable and positive change globally. Today, we're speaking with Adrian Robke and Joshua Konkunkel. Joshua Konkunko is an Indigenous elder and social entrepreneur who combines regenerative education, permaculture, and environmental leadership to reduce social inequalities. He was initiated to be an elder in his village and has guided many rites of passage for young people ever since. His mission is to share the diversity of African wisdom with the youth of the world. Konkanko connects many cultures to co-create community building projects together and give birth to something new. He is a serial founder impact community management projects such as an award-winning eco-village. Through many years of engagement, he developed extensive experience in building movements for systems change. Adrian Rubke is deeply dedicated to the thriving of people and the planet. Born and raised in Germany, he claimed the responsibility to contribute to positive societal transformation. He studied global management of social issues in the Netherlands to deepen his understanding of complex systems. There he discovered that it is his life's work to weave multi-stakeholder networks to co-create systemic change. His main focus is to serve changemakers across the world by bridging knowledge, mindsets and practices. He is particularly fascinated by how we can cultivate the capacities to shift systems into more thriving and regenerative states. He serves life with great curiosity, compassion, and courage. On today's podcast, we will discuss how modern Indigenous enterprises are creating and rejuvenating communities, and why social entrepreneurs need to be supported by impact-led networks. Adrian and Konkanko, thank you very much for joining us today. It's really exciting to be speaking with you guys. Yeah, it's really a pleasure to be with you as well. Looking forward to the conversation. Excellent. So to start off, could you please both share a bit about your backgrounds and then what led to your work in social enterprise? I guess I start here. Social enterprise may be in English, so to relate it to the indigenous, I grew up in a village and this village is a big kingdom in a part of Cameroon, 
that is called today Ambazonia. It was all about social because the whole village lives in solidarity and living off the land. The important thing was to be in good alignment with nature. And we believed that our ancestors are speaking to us through nature. I'll just give you a little bit of context because I was growing up during the time of colonization. It just happened that we then had to practice our real culture on the ground because we were now being imposed a new culture through the education system that came with the missionaries and economic systems. Our food sovereignty was being changed. We had to now farm so-called cash crops for the colonization, which didn't give crops. I was also growing up in a family where my father as a blacksmith was the real engineer of the village, manufacturing mm. things like machetes. Then the Germans fought a war with us and my father had to shift also on the ground to start imitating the weapons they were using for the royalty. This was a hectic time for me. You had to be real strong in order to survive the system. And being connected with the royalty, we had some systems to preserve the culture. And one of them was called rite of passage. This is how the village elders, those who take the youth through the tough period, because when the times were tough, they needed tough people, and I happened to be selected as one of them. This background really set me into entrepreneurship because life meant being enterprising in order to live. And life was about social innovation. We had to adapt ways to cope with our situation. It meant improving what we already had. All we had was our love economy because everything was then in solidarity. You didn't have to own anything. If the village woman, anyone wanted to make a farm, everybody came out and went and made that farm. If a man wanted to build a house, everybody came out and went and, and the house was built. We knew what to select from the forest. This is the background in which I grew up. And then, of course, I had to do the first education, which was through Christianity. That's how I got the name Joshua. I had to adopt an English name in order to go to school. Mm. At the same time, I was also very strong in the underground movement of teaching young people to remain themselves and to preserve the culture. Later on, I did environmental journalism, and I also worked in government in social security. And this also strengthened my will to adopt, adapt the indigenous to the modern. That's mm. how I met Adrian. Wow, that's really beautiful introduction there into your background and then also bringing you up towards that social impact and why you're in that space. Thank you so much for sharing that with our audience, Konkonko. And then also, please, Adrian, just tell us a bit more about yourself and your background and in what led you to social impact. Yes, sure, happy to. So I was born and raised in the south of Germany, 
And I think it was also in my adolescence where I went into a crisis as I came to realize the severity and the urgency of our global situation. We see that now more and more obvious how our ecosystems are collapsing, how there's just so many injustices and people's being oppressed. There's such a great need for change and such a huge opportunity also for positive change mm. that really broke in many ways my heart and obviously coming from germany which is one of the countries in the west who has been doing a lot of this global hegemony i was in a more privileged position but i think that and just the basic fact of being human comes with this deeper sense of responsibility and this of where do i make my contribution and how do i bring my unique gifts into the collective to create change. So that personal crisis or confrontation with the state of the world has led me deeper and deeper into yeah, exploring what it is that I want to contribute. And I really set out also to explore different cultures, explore different ideas, be in lots of different communities to talk about these issues and see how do they adapt to become more resilient. I went to the Netherlands to study global management of social issues, which is really this interdisciplinary program mm. that equipped me to understand complex systems better and really how can we address these wicked problems of climate change and equities and all of this more effectively. Next to this more scientific path, I was always very practical. In the first month of my study, I founded a local community organization, which was really like on the ground. And it had this idea of bridging different people. So weaving different initiatives and ideas together, because I'm very convinced that we can only create this change together. That has just led me now over the years to be part of many communities, to facilitate lots of dialogues, to create many connections and really organize with a lot of people worldwide. Really wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that, Adrian. And I'd like to pass it over to both of you now because you're co-founders of an enterprise, Indigenous and Modern. So could you both please share a bit more about this enterprise and its core social impact activities? Konkanko and I met two years ago at a conference, actually. It was this moment of synergy where I was incredibly inspired by his indigenous wisdom and practices. And I really already brought in this modern ideas of networks and how we can collaborate at scale. That was really where it was born. And now what we do is we, really, we are on an exploration in terms of where does the indigenous and this very ancient knowledge, these practices of connecting with the land, connecting deeply with the world. How mm. does that meet modern science, technology, and all of the new things that we learn about systems and how they evolve? In between the indigenous and the modern, then, we situate all that we do, our activities, and we're really focused on capacity building and helping change makers around the world to build their initiatives we have programs and learning opportunities where we bring together groups that are intergenerational, intercultural, and we're going through processes where they build their initiatives. So what is their theory of change? How can they bring systems thinking into their work? 
What is their target group? How can they do all of these very practical things? At the same time, we focus on this inner transformation because social entrepreneurship takes a lot of courage and dedication. We really combine this deep inner work with outer structural work. Made at a time when everybody was advocating for systems change. Actually, the conference where we went to was all a group of change makers in the world meeting to compare notes and see really what is the best strategy. I was from the point of view that for once, indigenous knowledge can come to the foreground as a contribution mm. when we imagine that the systems we are trying to repair cannot leave out the natural systems. Growing up in my community, we knew that if the natural systems, water, food, especially the culture, our beliefs, we believe that the spirits of the ancestors live in trees or in the water, or in stones. And we knew how to align and connect. I felt that talking about systems change only from the point of view of the modern or the scientific, we leave out a very important part of what could actually help in understanding why the systems are clashing in the first place. This mm. could come from no other than the indigenous who have learned resilience by dealing with preserving nature. The indigenous is quite diverse in the way we deal with the concept of community development. We believe that the systems that make us have to be honored. We are just part of the soil. We are part of the trees. We eat from forest or agriculture. It's something we believe we have to honor food. Mm. So it was really important for me to use the idea that we are not seeing some one system of being indigenous or modern is better, but that we have to look at all the component parts in a holistic way. It was very important for me to understand that there are lots of complications and obstacles when it comes to try to bridge the polarities. We know that naturally people will talk of the global south and the global north they are global poor and global rich, global have-nots and global have-all. And in the context of this, we forget about the systems that are really perpetrating this event. It was an opportunity for me to find a reception point when Adrian displayed a system he had developed to try and connect the point. And I felt that interconnection is also integrating. The indigenous, for me, found an entry point to be able to integrate not only the narrative, but also the systems. Mm -hmm. 
thank you so much for sharing all of that. It's a lot of amazing insights there, and I'm glad that you're both able to pass these on through the initiative Indigenous and Moderns. You're both doing such fantastic work in this space, and we're moving in towards the end of our interview now. I've just got two questions left to ask, so I just want you both to share with us firstly, what are some inspiring projects, initiatives or movements that you've come across recently that are creating a positive social change? I think the first thing to highlight is that there are so many out there and this is really what's giving me hope and inspiration. We really see thousands of initiatives, millions of people making their contributions. So it's somewhat hard to just pick one. I'd love to <laughs> have the room for 10, 20, 100. But for the sake of, of time, I think it's it's nice to also talk about people who we've worked with and who we've helped in their projects. Somebody who's come, coming to mind is Puneet Singhal. He's the founder of Start. And he has been incredible in working in a slum in Delhi to build a resource center for disabled people and is doing incredible advocacy work to create more accessibility, inclusion, really recognition and power in decision-making for this disabled people. He was nominated for Top 50 Voices, Impact for Disabled People. So really growing this work more fully. And I think that's such a huge topic as well. The second person, she's from Kenya, Celestine. And she's really working in this rural setting, bringing together farmers, different other stakeholders and investors as well. And to create a center for permaculture, to save seeds, to experiment with new regenerative agriculture products and through joining our program she really started gaining a deeper sense of confidence in her vision she found a founder and really sharpened her idea and really developed also the courage to make it happen for me from the point of the indigenous it's always really practical hands-on i'm involved with the eco village movement and the eco villages also some acupuncture points in this regeneration because they not only promote community but the harmonious living between the animals, the plants, and how to deal with water and all these issues. Then there are many permaculture initiatives and permaculture as well because it, con- it concentrates on integral design. We've already said how it's important that all the initiatives approach. I founded a co-village on these principles. We found that it quickly made impact, not only in the co-village movement in Africa, but also in the world. I will also mention like COFSA. COFSA is a conscious food movement. The UNDP, they are also trying to see how they can regenerate agricultural systems but also especially from the point of view of raising consciousness around food issues. I mention this because when we talk about regeneration, it's really to do with the practical elements that make us what we are as the first custodians of systems. There are lots and lots of regenerative initiatives. One of them is the Regenerators Academy that I'm also part of. They're trying to look at regeneration from different perspectives. Then of recent, something started within the UN Conference of Parties. It's called the UNFCCC, 
It's about the resilient frontiers. And I think all these opportunities of looking beyond the boundaries that are often set by those who have the powers to control the systems, I think it's an approach that is inclusive. Wow, just some beautiful different enterprises, initiatives and just movements in general that are happening there all around the place. Thank you both for sharing that with our audience. And to finish off now, are there any books or resources that you think would be valuable to people looking at this social impact or entrepreneurship space? I think both for the initiatives and also for the books and resources to all of you who are listening. I think it's a very vast space to navigate. I just want to encourage finding the initiatives that suit you best, that are really resonating with your own purpose, your own heart and where you want to go. Same thing with the resources and books. It feels like a winding path to learn about these issues because they are so vast and complex, but I really want to encourage also the small steps and going from one conversation, one resource to the other. In terms of books, for this work, Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin Wall Kimmerer has written a, a wonderful account of how indigenous teachings, specifically about plants, also come together with modern science. It's very beautiful how she weaves the story, the stories of her peoples and her scientific perspective as a professor in botany into this. It's very moving, touching and very insightful in terms of how we can bring the indigenous and the modern worldviews together more fully. Uh, Then if you want to dive deeper into the practice of weaving, connecting people, projects in these larger networks that we talk about, Rata, Aurora, and I, we wrote a very practical guide on the practice. It's just a few pages, but it really goes into key mindsets and key practices that are important for weavers to pick up. When we talk about systems change, people are always talking about books, about scientific theories. I wonder if all these books and science out there were actually giving the light on how to see systems change. Why are the systems still clashing? Seeing this from the indigenous perspective, where we don't have books, we don't read books, we depend on an oral culture, which is learning by doing. I'm not saying books are not important, but sometimes you really need to roll up your sleeves and get your hands dirty. This is what we are trying to bring forth strongly within indigenous and modern, that it starts with us. If we don't have any practical thing around us, look at what another person is doing. And it's good to your soul, join. This is also the way of the indigenous people. We believe in solidarity. Wow. A really beautiful note to end that interview off there. And just so many different amazing resources and movements and programs that people can join to really be a part of this community and to be a part of this movement and to really join in solidarity, as you just mentioned there at Kunko. And all of that will be linked in at the end of the article. So once people have either listened to our conversation or they've read through the transcript, they'll be able to click on through and check all of that out online. So thank you so much once again for sharing that. And that does bring us, unfortunately, to the end of our interview today. I just want to say on behalf of the Pack Boom. 
thank you so much, Konkanko and Adrian, for sharing your time with us so generously, first of all, and then second of all, your insights and all of this wisdom and experience between the both of you. It's amazing to see all of that being weaved together into this kind of outlet for social impact and the amount of people you're helping to also find themselves and to find their own place in that journey is just really invaluable and I can't wait to see more word about it in the future so I wish you both all the best and I look forward to hearing more about it in the future take care I'll invest in you thank you thank you and you for the wonderful interview and your great questions thanks for listening to Impact Boom you'll find links to the initiatives people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.